0: Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. All right, Matthew 7, here we go. Y'all ready to receive tonight? Matthew chapter 7, let's look at verses 1 through 6 to start. It says, do not judge others. That's where most people stop when they, when they quote scripture. It's about the only Bible verse, half of a Bible verse they know. They like to quote that part and then black out the rest. <laughs> Do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Let's break this down. He says do not judge, but he is not talking about not judging people. He's talking about don't judge and not expect judgment in return. You're going to be judged to the degree in which you judge. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And he's, he's telling us don't be a hypocrite. Don't tell people not to be walking in something that you're walking in. Or don't tell people to be not walking something that you're walking in something where you're dealing with something else. And so he's not telling us not to judge people. He's telling us you will be judged by the measure in which you judge. Jesus here is telling us first deal with you. (laughs) Examine your own motives and conduct instead of judging others. It is so key as believers that we look in the mirror and we rightly judge ourselves. If we will judge ourselves first and foremost, then the Holy Spirit won't have to send anybody else to do it for you. God bless you with that. It's so easy to be critical of other people and and find their small faults while we can become so blind to the bigger faults of our own. We... (laughs) and we we must not make our own word a law to anybody. We don't we don't we shouldn't judge rashly quickly without knowing what the other person's intentions are. We've got to understand that only God knows the heart of a person. <laughs> and and oftentimes we judge people by a by a single act, by one single thing that they did and we're going to forever treat them that way because they said one mean thing to me and so I'm never going to I'm always going to be think that they're a mean person or I'm always going to think that they're that way or like Pastor Tim didn't talk to me the way that I wanted him to talk to me so I'm out of here right or Paul didn't shake my hand long enough Uh. I mean, we just, we come up with all kind of like weird excuses and like, well, you know, well, my spouse didn't do this or my coworker didn't do this or whatever. And we, we come up with all, we, we judge people on these little small acts instead of looking in the mirror and going, okay, me, let me look at me before I begin to judge other people. And maybe you caught somebody on a bad day. Can we have grace? For, it's, it's amazing. We want grace, but we don't give grace. Can we have a bad day? Can you be in a bad mood? My goodness. Oftentimes we don't know what kind of situation that person is walking out of. And so we've got to be, we've got to be careful that we're not so quick to be so critical of everybody. We don't know the heart. We don't know the motives of that person. In John chapter seven, verse 24, Jesus says, look beneath the surface so that you can judge correctly. Look beneath the surface so that you can judge correctly. And in context, what he was talking about there is the Pharisees were mad at him because he healed somebody on the Sabbath day and he told them, you would circumcise your son on the Sabbath day, therefore obeying the law, but breaking the law. And so he's like, don't be so quick to judge what I'm doing. I'm trying to bring health and wholeness to somebody. I'm not saying that the Sabbath is not important, but I'm trying to do something that's more important than taking a day off of work. And he's like, look beneath the surface before you make a judgment. A lot, of times we see, a lot of times what we see on the outside of someone is a reflection on what's going on on the inside. And it may be a difficulty that they're facing. But I, I, I had um, Isaiah and Kennedy with me last night. We were at a, a camp in Russellville, a church that we're close to, RCC. Where we were at their, kid, their uh, youth camp last night that's going on right now. Chloe's speaking at it on Thursday, mo- or tomorrow morning. And, um, and man, just like We did some ministry time at the end, and just like, you talk about hell that a lot of these kids are going through. Just, their home life is absolute hell. Well, I can't believe that teenager was rude to me. I talked to a girl last night. She's 15 years old. She just moved here from California. She hadn't seen her parents since she was five. Never been in church. This this in June was the first church service that she'd ever been to her whole entire life. Let's not be so quick to judge people because there may be a reason that they're acting the way that they're acting. Let's look beneath the surface and see what's really going on. Oftentimes, what people need, last thing people need is a critical, judgmental spirit. They need someone who is full of grace, humility, and the love of God. We have got to see rightly before we cast judgment. <laughs> and many times... <laughs> Did you wear your steel toe boots tonight? Many times the things that bother us the most about others are the things that bother us the most about ourselves. <laughs> I went through a season a couple years ago, and this, this ebbs and flows, but I, I get really, really critical sometimes of uh, especially people that hold positions in ministry. I get really, really critical, and I, I think they're showy and prideful, and it drives me crazy. And um, I', I got to check myself and realize, like, am I being critical? Am I walking in that same pride? Well, oftentimes I am. Oftentimes what I see about them is something that I hate inside of myself. And so maybe I need to focus on myself before I cast judgment on them. And maybe I don't even know them and their hearts or their motives, and I'm just just saying something about them, and I have no idea what their actual heart motive is. Maybe they do love the Lord. Maybe they do love people. Maybe it's not all about the stage and money, and maybe I'm just making a critical judgment. Maybe I should just be thankful that they're preaching the gospel. Right? (laughs) We always... We always must look in the mirror first. We always must get the plank out of our eye before we go to our brother or sister in Christ. Man. <laughs> Married people, before we're critical of our spouse, be critical of yourself, right? Walk by, is like, man, I wish she would do those dishes. She walks by me and goes, man, I wish he would do those dishes. <laughs> right? We do this. We're human. It's our flesh. It comes up. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be so critical we need to judge ourselves first and then we can lovingly forgive and help our neighbor james two thirteen says there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others but if you have been merciful god will be merciful when he judges you oh that's intense <laughs> jesus statement here about not judging Others is against the kind of hypocritical judgmental attitude that tears others down to build self up. It's not a blanket statement about judgment to overlook sinful behavior. Like, what are you doing judging me? Yeah, I am. I am judging you because the Bible tells me to judge you. If I don't have a plank in my eye, then I am called to pull the speck out of your eye. And you go, you continue reading in Matthew chapter seven, which Tim's going to, I'm not going to get into a sermon next week, but like we're supposed to judge a tree by its fruit. So, yeah, there, it's, this, so this isn't a blanket statement about judgment to overlook sinful behavior. I, last night I taught on John chapter 4 about the woman at the well where he says, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, I know, you've spoken rightly, you've had five. And the man you're living with now isn't your husband. Imagine if Jesus said that to a woman today. Are you judging me? Who are you? You're a man. You don't have an opinion about what I do. You don't know what those other men did to me, right? And he cuts straight through all of that. He says, don't play games with me. Don't play games with me. So this is not a statement about overlooking sinful behavior. Rather, is it a, it's a call to be discerning rather than critical and negative. <laughs> Jesus is talking about rash judgments. He's talking about a critical or fault-finding spirit. He's talking about a a disposition to condemned. He's talking about being harsh and unkind. He's talking about hypocritical judgment where a person is more concerned about everyone else's faults not seeing their own. And a a good indicator about if if you're more worried about everybody else's faults and not your own is before you go to someone and bring up a fault to your brother and sister in Christ, like Scripture calls us to, do you first give them the door to speak to your own faults? right you've got a list for what you want your wife to work on how about you go to her and ask her what you what she wants you to work on god bless you (laughs) the pharisees were notorious for living this way nitpicking people's actions never knowing their heart while they themselves were full of pride lust and greed jesus told them they were whitewashed tombs like man you look really really good on the outside but on the inside you're nasty you're nasty. And sometimes, and sometimes we can do that. We, we can be Pharisees at church where we come in and we look good. But when we go home, how do we act? When we're in secret and nobody's around, how do we act? Jesus here, Jesus is not prohibiting private judgments. He's not forbidding, he's not forbidding reproving and correcting our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're actually called to judge those inside the church. We are. Jesus is not forbidding civil judgment or leadership of the church, bringing judgment against someone of the congregation walking disorderly. That is all found in 1 Corinthians. Yep, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul teaches. He's teaching them about... He's teaching... And this is like... 1 Corinthians 5 is one of those that like everybody tries to stay away from. But 1 Corinthians 5, he literally tells the 1 Corinthians, remove the sinner from among you. And he, And Paul actually says... Well, like, I, a common statement I hear all the time is like, are you shaming me? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5, I'm saying this to shame you. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. The apostle Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 5. Remove the sinner from among you because he refuses to repent. Turn him over to Satan so that he sees what he's missing out on. It will cause him to repent and to come back. Now they listen to him because you get to 2 Corinthians and then, it, and then Paul's going, let him back in. He's not doing it anymore. <laughs> they took it to the way extreme. But, but Paul, te- Paul tells the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, I'm not talking about judging those who are outside of the church. I'm not, I'm not talking about judging people who are unbelievers. Why would I tell you to do that? What I'm talking about is judging those who are saying that they are Christians and that they are believers, but they are not living in accordance to the way that Jesus called us to live. So, are you judging me? Yes. Yes but I'm not trying to do it from a hypocritical place. I'm trying to do it from a place because I love you and, and I see something on the inside of you that's keeping you from being all that God has called you to be. We are, we are called to judge one another. It's not, I'm not going around nitpicking. I'm not being critical and negative of one another. And I'm also not, I'm also not nitpicking at things that God, that, that I'm not adding to God's law in any way. I just want, I want to stick to it. How Jesus told us to live. And, I'll, and if you say that you're a follower of him, I want to bring you back to what he said. But you, you cannot separate Jesus from the things that he said. That is, a, that is a, another God. That is not the same Jesus. <clears throat> but he's clear here. We must judge ourselves right, first and foremost. And if we deal with our blind spots, if we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal them to us, remove them, then we can accurately deal with the speck in our brother's eye. When's the last time you prayed the prayer that David prays in Psalms is search my heart, O God. Is there anything in me that offends you? Point it out to me. Point it out, and that's a scary prayer to pray. Have you ever prayed that God would use your brothers and sisters in the church? Do you have friends in your life? I've got friends in my life that they are allowed to call things out in me, and they have, and I have the same open door to them. And Actually, my wife has permission to call my friends if I'm not acting in accordance to what I say that I believe That's some (laughs) That's some high accountability there. Well, yeah, like yeah, that's the point man (laughs) That's the point we must have some people that's that, that we allow to speak life into us we have a few close people that we allow to judge us in a loving way and listen, here's what we, you read Proverbs, man. Lean into hard corrective words. Ask for hard corrective words. It's not fun. A rebuke's never fun. I've said in many, I've, Tim and Paul have rebuked me over the years many times. It's never fun to get rebuked. But it always makes me better. It always sharpens me. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better pastor. It makes me a better leader. It makes me a better teacher. It makes me a better disciple. And that's what we want to be. We want to be disciples. And our goal is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Have some people that you give permission to them where they can call you out. Ephesians 4. Verse 31 to 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Jesus is making it clear in this passage. You can go ahead and judge this way if you want to, but to the standard or the degree in which you judge others, God is going to judge you. And so you can call out that speck, but God is definitely going to call out that log if you call out that speck. Romans 2 verse 1 says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things. All right, let's move on. Let's look at uh, this last verse here. It kind of, it goes along with this, but kind of sticks out uh, separate from that paragraph, chapter 6. I actually love the way that the New King James Version words that it says, do not give what is holy to the dogs. Nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Man, this would be a really good thing for all of us to get into our hearts. Because I think sometimes we get stressed and depressed, full of anxiety and worry about what people who aren't believers think about us. And I'm not saying that we don't love them, but I'm saying I'm not debating with anybody who's an unbeliever. And I'm not I'm not holding anybody who's an unbeliever. I'm not holding their opinion in very high regard Why would I If they're an unbel- i'm not going to hold their opinion in a very high regard they're standing on a different foundation There's they're not standing on the rock And so why would I hold and I know that sounds harsh But it's true It's it's true it's interesting here, the word translated to holy, don't, don't give what is holy to the dogs. The word translated in Aramaic is almost, almost identical to earrings, which would make sense because the next part says don't cast your pearls before swine. And, and, and I, know, I know that some of you dress up your dogs. It's weird. It's weird. Animals weren't meant to wear clothes unless they're at a circus trying to make kids laugh but if you dress up your dog i'm judging you i am i am i know that and listen if you send me a christmas card that says merry christmas from my family and it has your dogs on it it's not hanging on my fridge i know that you love your dog i know that your dog is your sweetie precious but it's it's it's, some of you are so offended right now like You're thinking about walking out right now. It's okay. No, it's okay that they walk out. (laughs) Oh, she's out there saying it's okay that you don't care. Okay. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But seriously, don't send me your card with your little dog on it. I know you love your little dog, but I don't. (laughs) Too far. Okay, reel it back in. This is just my opinion. I'm sorry. (laughs) The point of it is... Earrings and pearls in this verse, they're symbols of spiritual truths given to us by God. They give us beautiful ears to hear his voice and impart lovely pearls of wisdom from God. We are not to regard these lightly or share them with those whose hearts are closed to them. We are not to regard these spiritual truths lightly or share them with those whose hearts are closed to them. And also the Aramaic word for throw is almost identical to the word for teach or instruct. So don't, cast your, don't throw your pearls before swine. Don't teach or instruct this spiritual wisdom to the unbeliever, is what Jesus is saying, because they're not going to get it. The, vow, <laughs> the value of wisdom is not appreciated by those who have no ears to hear it. Jesus' most repeated phrase, and if you, like, you think like, man, Josh, this is really harsh, Jesus' most repeated phrase is, he who has ears, let him hear. We can go back to the parables and we can count how many times Jesus gave a parable and then he said, he who has ears, let him hear, and he walked away and did not explain the meaning of the parable to the crowd. He only explained the meaning of the parable to the crowd to those who, began to, who, those who followed him and wanted to know those deeper truths. And so I love the unbeliever, I love the lost person. I am always here if they want to come into the house and hear the spiritual truths. But I'm not debating with them on 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 the issue of abortion. I'm not debating with them on on who they're voting for. I'm not debating with them on if God is real or not. I'm not I'm not getting into those debates. Like apologetics is awesome. That's awesome. It's it's to build your faith. It's not to win arguments. Because you're not going to win an argument with an unbeliever. What are you going to do? Walk around and go like, oh, like I beat an atheist in an argument. Like, yippity-doo, good for you. Do you want a badge? De- debate doesn't win people to the Lord. That's why, that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. It's not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. And I don't believe, and, and, and listen, you can, have, you can have a head full of knowledge. Like, that's awesome. I'm a Bible nerd. I could sit in my office, literally not see a soul all day long and just study scripture and it would just make my heart warm. I love it. Some of you, I know that's not necessarily the way that you're wired, but I, I absolutely love that. And I teach apologetics and I actually think that they're important for believers to know. I think it's important that we have a defense of our faith, but apologetics doesn't save anybody. Jesus does. And I don't believe in God because I studied, have studied apologetics for 10 years. I believe in God because when I was 11 or 12 years old, I was at a youth camp and a man by the name of Nicky Keith came and put his hands on me and baptized me in the Holy Ghost. And I experienced God firsthand and I saw those eyes that burn like fire. That's why I believe in him. And everything else has just supplemented my faith. Those things are great, but I'm not getting into debate with an unbeliever. It's fruitless. Have you ever been in a Facebook argument with an unbeliever? round and round we go we just we just might as well say to each other hey we have completely different worldviews let's just go our separate ways and that's totally fine he who has ears let him hear we are not the savior of the world jesus is and only the holy spirit can draw the heart of man can he use some words that we, that we say to other people? Yes, but it's when our heart is full of love for that person to come to know him, not my head is full of knowledge and I want to overcome their argument with my better argument. So they can, you know, they can think I'm, you know, I'm archaic or whatever, but that's totally fine. It doesn't bother me because I know what God thinks about me. Okay, let's move on. I'm spending way too many rabbit trails. Um, y'all are holding me up. Uh, Verse 7 and 8, it says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is talking here about effective prayer. He's telling us to persist in our pursuit of God. Telling us to persist, to have some perseverance in prayer. He's not talking about begging. He's talking about being convinced, so convinced that he's going to answer that we're not going to go anywhere else. And, and if you look at Luke's narrative of the Sermon on the Mount, he, he compares this part to going to a friend at night and knocking on his door until he answers. His point is, is that, that God's not annoyed like the friend is. His point is, is even man who is evil, who is your friend, will get up out of bed and give you what you ask for. How much better and how much more amazing is our good Father who wants to meet the needs of his children? And so, and, and then you look at verse... Uh, 9 10 and 11 your parents if your children ask for a loaf of bread do not give them a stone instead or if they ask for a fish do you give them a steak of course not so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask and so <laughs> we got to keep on asking and keep on knocking and keep on singing until we see breakthrough how long am i going to pray until i see breakthrough How long am I, I'm going to keep praying until I see breakthrough. I'm never going to stop praying until I see heaven come to earth, until I see his will being done in that situation. And I'm not, I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm not going to be frustrated. Oftentimes in that perseverance, God is developing something on the inside of us. And, and that, and if you continue to pray and if you continue to seek, and if you continue to knock, what it does is it builds your faith and it gets you to a place with God that you weren't before that you started praying. God is going to answer the prayers of those who really want it. Imagine if he answered every flippant, half-hearted prayer. We'd be some spoiled brats. (laughs) His power is actually drawn to people who reach out in desperation for him. And he answers prayers that align with his will. You may really want to win the lottery. I'm just going to let you know tonight, God really doesn't want you to win the lottery. Number one, just read the book of Proverbs and it talks about gaining money very quickly, but you could be asking the Lord for some financial breakthrough, but God may be protecting you from from some financial breakthrough. What did the children ask for? They asked for bread and fish. They didn't ask for mansions. They were asking for their needs to be met, not their wants to be met. And so you may not need the biggest house on the block because the biggest house on the block might destroy you. You, might, you may not need the Cadillac because the Cadillac might destroy you. You may not need the million dollars because, the, because you may not be in a place where you are mature enough to handle it yet. <laughs> Money solves a lot of problems, but it doesn't solve everything. We'll never solve a messed up heart. We'll never solve a lack of character. And if writing you a check would fix every problem in your life, money might not be the problem. God bless you. I love you. God will answer desires that line up with his desires. Yeah. That's when we begin to see breakthrough, when, when our desires line up with his desires. And it's called breakthrough for a reason. You break through, like, oh, God shut that door. Maybe God didn't shut that door, maybe the devil did. And your prayers are about to break it open. It's breakthrough, not easy walkthrough. <laughs> That's a good point, Josh. Thank you for that. <laughs> how many people have quit because they thought the door got closed in their face? Not all doors, I don't think, are closed by him. The enemy is trying to close doors on your destiny all the time. <clears throat> now, sure, a closed door may be a no from him, but do you know how that becomes clear? When you keep asking, when you keep seeking, when you keep knocking. I promise you that he will reveal it to you. James 4.2 says, You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Man. <laughs> and then, listen, verse 8 is our assurance. Everyone who asks, what? Receives. Everyone who seeks, what? And everyone who knocks, The door is open. That is our assurance. That should build up our faith. We have the assurance that he's going to answer. This should build our faith for whatever we are praying for. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Deuteronomy 4:29, "But from there you will search again for the Lord your God, and if you search for Him with all your heart and soul, you will find them." And then we see in verse 9 through 11 back in chapter seven, the assurance of an answered prayer is based on the fact that God is our Father, and he treats His children as a good and wise father should. No kind parent would mock his child by answering his cry for bread with stones. And that's human. That's not God. And if evil people know how to give good gifts to their children, how much better is he? I love actually in Luke's narrative, Luke eleven thirteen, 13, he replaces gifts with how much, more, how much more will the Holy Spirit give to his children. Or how, I'm sorry, word that word. How much more will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask? In that parallel passage, instead of saying good gifts, he says the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is heaven's greatest gift. The Holy Spirit is heaven's greatest gift, and he says that if you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, not for more money, if you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, He will give you more of the Holy Spirit. Come on, and there's no tap, there's no tap to that, so I'm gonna keep asking every day for the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna keep seeking every day for the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna keep knocking every day for the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is that door that opens up the Holy Spirit, that puts that fountain on the inside of me. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Come on. As we get, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, as we get more of Him, He knows what we need more than we do. He knows what we need more than we do. The Holy Spirit actually intercedes for us. That's why praying in the spirit is so important because Romans chapter 6, 27, 28 talks about how the Holy Spirit groans for us. It makes intercession for us to pray what we really need. And it lines our will up with his perfect will so that God will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You didn't know that verse on your coffee mug and on your doorpost was actually about praying in the spirit. God bless you with that. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Come on, man. Like come on. Keep going. Keep going. Unanswered I I never want to blame God for unanswered prayer. I think that's a dangerous place to live your life I never want to put it on his end. I want to put it on my end I want to put it on my end and it's not that I'm Debbie Downer And I'm you know, I'm so sad that all these things happened because because maybe my my faith wasn't there but I just do not believe that's that that loss that tragedy that disaster just do not see that happening in the life of Jesus and Jesus is the perfect will of God I just do not see that being heaven. Or, well, God, we prayed and, and you didn't stop it. Well, it's not, it's not him that didn't stop it. He wants to stop it. But he put us here on this earth to stop it. We've been praying for years for God to overturn Roe v. Wade. God put us here to overturn Roe v. Wade. So a lot of times we're blaming God for something that he put you here to do. And you've got to build up your faith faith by reading the word by reading verses like ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 to where it gets your faith to actually believe that he is a good father who wants to make my greatest request my most unbelievable dream and exceed my wildest imagination he wants to make those things happen but we've got to get ourselves into a place of where we believe where we become fully convinced that he wants to do that and that's where we begin to see it have got to move on i've got eight minutes left buckle up fast forward time Verse 12, do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Yeah. <laughs> Our response is, is so key. Everywhere, everyone. Always try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. That's it. <laughs> Always put, like, go into the bank. If you were the bank toweler, how would you want them to treat you? Exactly. Right? If you were the gas it. If you, if, if you were the waitress, it's not the waitress's fault that your food was messed up. It's the cook's fault. Go give him an earful. No, I'm just kidding. That's not treating him the way that you want to be treated, but, but we're, we, we oftentimes can, we're so rude to everyday people because oftentimes we view them as an inconvenience or they don't do exactly what we want them to do or behave, the, he, doesn't, he doesn't care. He says, treat them the way that you want to be treated, the way that you want to be treated. And sometimes Christians, we can be the worst. We, we can absolutely be the worst. Listen, the Sunday crowd, the Sunday crowd in restaurants, we should be the best crowd. Every waiter and waitress should want to work on Sunday because they know they're about to get fat tips. And they're about to, they're about to wait on the nicest people possible. And do you know that you, the kindness and love that you show to the everyday person, it's a drawing agent by the Holy Spirit to draw people to the loving heart of God. And so like, I get it. Like, I get in it, like, treat your boss, treat your employees, treat your spouse the way that you want to be treated. <sighs> treat your kids the way that you wanted your parents to treat you. <laughs> well, they treated me. It doesn't matter. He doesn't, he gives no bearing on the way that they treat you. Treat them the way that you want to be treated. This, and this implies action. This implies like doing something. <laughs> it's not don't do unto others what you don't want them to do unto you. It's do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Love requires action. And what I, what I want you to know in this is like this is also a kingdom principle. You will reap it if you sow it. You'll reap it if you sow it. Like back, spouses back to, man, I really wish you would do the dishes. Hmm. Let's, what if we switch that and go, man, I really wanted to do the dishes so that, she, so that her night is easier what if we switched the way that we thought about everything? I really wish somebody would do this for me. What if we switched it to, man, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that for that person. It would completely change your entire life. And then you will begin to reap the love that you sow. <laughs> love is the most powerful weapon that we have in the kingdom. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And hearts are changed by, the, by, by love and grace that is shown to them. You really will. You'll wear down the meanest, rudest people. That's you really will. Just show them love, no matter how they treat you every single time. Well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You have no right to give them a piece of your mind. Because you have the mind of Christ. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that we let people run over us. I'm not saying that at all. But we can be kind and we can be stern, but at the same time we can be kind. So, and, and listen, young people. If you're under 40 in here, we're soft and tender, I get it. Paul and Tim are rough and tough and mean to me, and I've got to, they're they're, the they just, the way they say things, they don't mean it to be mean, it just comes off as mean. I've got to get a little bit thicker skin. Because oftentimes people are talking to you and you think they're being rude, and they're not really being rude, they're just being direct. So don't let people in your life, you know, My teenagers in the room don't like they have to sit down and like you know give you a massage and kind of prep you and get you ready for hey buddy I really I I asked you to clean your room and you didn't like don't like come on all right now old people don't be so mean so crotchety and grouchy and angry Whoa, 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 Tim, Tim, Tim says young people all the time, so I can say old people and young and old, young and old is relative, right? So let's, you know, let's all, let's all work on, let's all work on loving everybody. It's, it's so funny, Tim, you called Sarah the other day about her, about he's working on it. He's, he's good. He does, He's great. He he really has worked on his his table manners, his people manners. But he called Sarah the other day, and they were talking about her. She's going to be speaking in August. You don't want to miss her two Wednesday nights, by the way. It's going to be the most amazing thing you've ever heard. But he's calling, getting those dates right, and he began to ask her about how her vacation was. And she told me, she said, I know he didn't care about how my vacation's going. (laughs) She said, I know he was trying to be nice, but I know that after he got the date set, he was just ready to move on because that's just... That's just the way that men think, but it was, I thought it was really funny, but he's working. Like, I love that he's working on it. And, and, but we, I, like, I have to work on like when somebody says something direct to me, it doesn't mean they're being rude. Okay. So anyway, love each other. All right. Last thing here, verse 13 and 14, verse 13, 14, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide. For many who choose, for there are many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. The the narrow gate is the way into the kingdom, but it's it's narrow for a reason. It's 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 there's a there's a law in physics called the law of restriction. So, like the easiest way to explain it is if you have a water hose and you want that water to shoot further, how do you do it? Right. Everybody under 40 was like, well, you go to Walmart and you buy a nozzle that you put on the end of it. <laughs> but no, you, if, you put your, if you put your thumb over the hole, what's, the restriction causes the water to shoot further, right? Okay? And listen, it, another example is like, is, is like an archery example. It's like you, to, in order to shoot the arrow, you've got to actually pull it away from its target and put tension on it. Such is the narrow way. It's, the law, it's a law of restriction. It, 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 and. The narrow way doesn't make sense to him sometimes. There's no shortcut to it. Usually it's a long, slow path. <clears throat> Jesus is this, he's the gate into the narrow way. And at times, like when you, when you first start down it it seems, it, it seems really hard, but along the way, God, he, he, he puts his finger on you. He puts his finger on something that he wants you to lay down in order to continue into it. But he's not, he's not restricting you to hold you back he's actually restricting you so that you can go further so that you can enter enter into the kingdom into all that he has called you to be the narrow way is referring to the only way into eternal life the only way and when i say eternal life i don't mean after you die i mean eternal life now i mean abundant resurrection life now there's only one way into heaven and I, when i say heaven i mean heaven on earth and it's jesus he is the way he is the narrow way that we fall he is the one thing that we lose it all for you know, he said it's better for a rich man, or it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes in going through the narrow way, it feels like being pulled through the eye of a needle. Because what God wants to do is he actually wants to pull you through that eye of the needle so that he can remake you. God in his goodness comes and he prunes us, but he prunes us so that we can produce more fruit. And, and a lot of people want resurrection kingdom life, but not many people want the cross but you don't get abundant resurrection life if you don't first have, a, have a, a death and a burial and a resurrection. Jesus said, follow me up this hill. Deny yourself. Take up that cross and follow me. And as we follow him and as we lay our flesh on that cross and we die to ourself, we then get to experience resurrection life with him. Colossians 3.1, his resurrection is also my resurrection too. Come on. The narrow way leads to life. Restriction is actually blessing. It's actually the pressure that leads to freedom. When we become squeezed on both sides we walk in this narrow way, it causes all of the things weighing weighing us down to fall off of us. His pressure, his conviction, his boundaries are his mercy and his grace. He's the designer of life. He designed it to work a certain way. And he actually designed it to work really well. Really well. But there's a narrow way. There's a narrow way. As you begin down this narrow path, a narrow gate, he begins to show you a mirror. He begins to call you to judge yourself and get the planks out of your eyes. He begins to show you those blind spots, not because he's trying to make life difficult for you, but because he has a new, better degree of life that you didn't even know was possible. But it is going to cost you something to get through that gate. But here's my, the whole soapbox about that is it's embarrassing for us to talk about the cost of discipleship. Because the reward is so much greater. It's so much greater. Right? If, if, if you, it's like us complaining about, like, if you make this investment, if you put your life savings into this investment, you're going to turn, you'll turn $50,000 into a billion dollars. Who would complain about that? But essentially, that's what we do when we complain about the narrow way. Actually, it's even way better than that. It's embarrassing that we would complain about the cost, about the things that we have to lay down, because Jesus is our inheritance. We get him. We get joy that is unexplainable. Peace that passes all understanding. We get our homes become full of his presence and his grace and his love and he satisfies our hearts like nothing. And he doesn't even have to do those things. He's God and he's, he's worthy whether we get those things or not. But he's so incredible that he gifts us with those things. And a lot oftentimes like people look at the Christian life as hard and as difficult it's because you're trying to take things down the narrow way that he's saying don't belong. And if you'll lay them down it'll be much easier to walk down this path. It'll be much easier to walk down this path. This, the whole Sermon on the Mount series is the narrow way. The whole Sermon on the Mount that he preaches, it is the narrow way. It's a narrow way that leads to abundant life. And as we begin to judge ourselves, as we begin to let go of the things he shows us to, as we begin to draw close to him and the asking and the seeking, you begin to treat others the way that he would, and your life starts looking really abundant and really awesome, and there's a great reward that's headed to Fountain of Life. Don't get something out of this tonight. Y'all stand with me. (laughs) Finishing it up next week. Shameless plug, because she's my wife. You really, really, really cannot miss Sarah's two two, uh, two Wednesdays in August. You got to be here. And you got to bring people. It's going to be super, super powerful. She's doing a two-part series on gender. And we have to hear it. You have to hear it. I think it's August. When is it, babe? August 17th and 24th. Sweet. Don't miss. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your presence. We thank you so much for your kindness, your grace, your mercy, that while we were sinners, While we were enemies of you, you came and you died for us. You came and rescued us. Lord, help us to treat people the way that you treated them. Give us the strength, Lord, to treat people the way that you treated them. May we judge ourselves before we begin to judge other people. May we pull the planks out of our eyes. Lord, show us those blind spots. Show us those things that we can't see. May it start with us, Lord. Maybe it, May it all be from a place of love, God, because we want to become more like you and we want those in the church. And the church is your bride. We want your bride to be what you've called it to be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Give us the strength, Lord, to walk down this highway of holiness with you that you've called us to. We lay it down, God. We take up our cross. We follow after you. Because on the other side of that cross... We get to walk with you in the cool of the day. We get to be in that garden with you again. Love you, Lord. Thank you for all that you're doing in and through us, in and through this ministry. We surrender every single part of us to you, Lord. And and God, we say not our will, but your will be done in every part of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you Sunday morning. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.